right, I guess it's time for us to get started. Hey, rock and roll, welcome to this podcast, yeah, we're here with some frosty pants, yeah, that's right. That That is a lot more energy than I remember from last last podcast. Dude, for, for some reason, when you're playing like when you're playing Abomination and you lose Unstoppable Rage, it doesn't feel that bad. <laughs> it's one of those losses where you're just like, well, I guess I lose. And like you can see it coming too, because like you should never win that matchup unless your opponent's just like an absolute moron. Or but, yeah. they don't draw the rage. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. <laughs> Oh man, so we got some sexy new emotes on my channel. Have you seen these? Yeah, I have. Looks we like uh, we got some people in chat that are showing them off. Oh hell yeah, Zombie Hunter 9x19, Skitter, Talos Rises, what is up guys? Yeah. So this is our first... I mean, are we in season 4 now because there's been a new expansion? <laughs> I don't I don't know. This, is, uh, this actually isn't a new season. We're going to call this uh, the fun and interactive new client. Ooh, I like that. I like that. That's, that's fancy. Yeah, we're we're on a new client now. Sounds like we're a prostitute. Now, now we just need more, more skilled podcasters to uh, take over and uh, have better iterative development and make us run faster <laughs> and smarter and stronger. You know, in in I've noticed in recent weeks actually two new podcasts have launched for Legends. <laughs> yeah, I I have noticed that as well. Fuck. <laughs> That's cool, though. That's good. That's good. We, we have our niche, which is that we did it. F well, actually, we didn't even do it first. No, we didn't do it first, and we haven't done Sorry. it better than anybody else. We Listen, we're <laughs> we're Blockbuster Video of the podcast and Legends community. I worked at Blockbuster for two years. <laughs> oh, no, We really are. Yeah, we really are. But you know what? Like, this expansion has been really exciting for me, I have to say. Like, you, you were... So, I'll, I'll let people know that like when it first came out and I was playing on my lunch break that day, I had a little bit of a meltdown talking to Christian and Derek. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. I had a little bit of a meltdown because I'm trying to play with the Wounded Warrior deck, and I ran into nothing but Halalu Agro Agro and Talani Conscription. I just lost and lost and lost and lost like over and over and over again, and I, and I just I was just pissed. And finally, I'm like, well, I'm gonna play Abomination. My first game with Abomination, I got fucking Memory Wraith twice. And it was just like soul crushing. And I even said, like, I, I don't think I want to stream tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, Sandra, what, I don't, what, you want to go out to dinner or something? She's like, don't, aren't you streaming? I was like, well, I was going to, but I'm feeling real shitty. She's like, Justin, there's a new expansion out. You have to stream tonight. I was like, oh, yes, ma'am. And so I was like, what can I do? What can I do? So I, I started playing some more Abomination. Won a couple games. Started getting my mojo back. And then chat was like, all right, Justin, like, play some new cards. And I realized, like, even though I had a ton of stupid things I wanted to do, none of those things were going to beat the decks that had been kicking my ass earlier that day. So I was like, how do I beat fucking Conscription? <laughs> <laughs> and so I played Unstoppable Rage for two hours, and my soul was unburdened and unmoored and untethered by the fetters of fucking the boring meta we've had for seven months. It was beautiful. It was a cathartic experience. And, like, I'm back with Legends in this real way now. Yeah, before we went live... Uh, Justin and I were going through like stuff that we want to do, and I realized that I have like 14 new decks that I want to play with. Yeah. For the next couple of weeks for YouTube content and stuff, like it's it's so amazing what even a small number of cards can do for your 
creativity. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't even like look. I'm I'm sure the metal will settle sooner rather than later, just because it is only eleven cards. But what I like about it is that like my spirit has been renewed. I I hate to get fucking weird about this, but like, it's just been so long since we saw new cards. So long. Yeah. I haven't even. Good. I was gonna say I don't even have mage on my list. Like I haven't even thought about hey we got a monthly card in there. Like, I've played yeah. against it. I know people are enjoying that as well. It just ha hasn't even crossed my mind. I mean, that card's not bad, but it's best as, like, just a cog in the tribunal machine, I think. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, the last new card we got was the fucking Prophet of Bones. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you and I were hanging out the day that card came out, actually. Yeah. yeah oh, so. man. I, I want to say... One of the things that I enjoy most about your uh, story of catharsism is that it was unstoppable rage that got you there. I remember <laughs> a time when Justin and I... Justin and I have pretty frequent debates about... Uh, wait, did I say rebates just now? Pretty frequent debates about like <laughs> cards and card design and like directions that we would like the game to go or not go. And there was a time... When when Justin loathed Unstoppable Rage, he basically thought it was like everything that was wrong with the game, and and now he loves it. I think I. Well, okay, so there's there's a couple explanations for this. The the first is that you did help me understand why that card wasn't the trash can fire I thought it was, but part of it is like it it was a paradigm shift when that card came out, right? It was the first time, yeah. although like. Uh, Gardener of Swords hinted at this direction, right? But it was the first time that we had ever had like an engine card, right? Like, yeah. like we had Altar of Despair, but Altar of Despair's limitation is its you know lack of relative power level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, I, you could argue the only real engine we had was uh, Supreme Atromancer because like Merrick was the combo deck back then, and even then that wasn't like a right, you know. And so I, I, I was a little uncomfortable because it heralded this shift, which has continued since then, away from, you know, incremental value in this game towards doing a thing. Like, this is what my deck does. It does this thing. And uh, I was uncomfortable with that. I was really uncomfortable with that. Yeah. I got used to it. Um, I'm still not comfortable necessarily with uh, what the, whatever the fuck that card is. Conscription. I mean, I don't like playing against it. I do enjoy playing with it, but, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah, it's it's just interesting because if you're not a card game veteran, you may just not be familiar with the way that they historically function, right? You normally get like a base set and your base set is very vanilla and that's on purpose. You're trying to introduce your players to the very basic, most core mechanics. So you'll have a couple of flashy things, you'll have some cool interactions, but a lot of times when you look at a base set or you look at a core set for any card game, it's typically there to say like, this is your starting point. You know, this is um, what you need to kind of get a handle on. And then you can see all of the room for potential. You can see all the room for growth, but it's not there yet. And then what yeah. happens is, as new cards get released, there's this, um, like, what I call the expanding of the, the pendulum, right? Like, most card games will have this uh, ebb and flow or this back and forth in the game itself. Legends is a great example. Justin talked about incremental value. Old Legends, with the exception of, like, Burn and Pillage running rampant, 
it was yeah. a very like mid-rangey game by nature you were playing creatures you were fighting for the board and there uh, the pendulum if you will right would swing one way towards one player one way towards the other player prophecies would make this ebb and flow go but it was like within a certain range and then as more cards come out there's natural power creep right that people talk about but there's also complexity creep things get more complex um things get more technical they get more complicated and so your combos are typically more powerful so that pendulum for swinging back and forth starts swinging longer and longer right and so now we're hitting this point where in legends Sometimes the pendulum just swings so far in one player's direction that it never comes back, right? We get the big combos like Nixox, or we get the huge splash plays like Conscription, or, you know, big unstoppable rage plays. And that's just this, like, natural balancing pendulum getting uh, a little more wild because of the complexity of the game. And that's that's normal in card games, Um but it, I mean, it does also create some pretty feel bad moments as well. It does. And it, it took me some time, you know, like I'm not, I'm big on novelty, but not necessarily huge on change. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it took me a minute. It took me a minute. And now I'm here we are, you know. And the Frost Spark set, Jesus. <laughs> we can discuss the name of the set later. <laughs> but like, <laughs> The Frostbark set, while like not the flashiest set we've ever had, or any honestly even close to it, uh, is I, I don't know. It's you know we've had two other mini sets, right? And both had like obvious build around stuff, right? The Singleton yeah. stuff and Gardener and Altar. Uh, this does not have that necessarily, but. It's something that as a guy who's played Legends for two and a half fucking years now, which is insane, uh, like, I can appreciate, you know? I'm, I I do wonder what a new player, like, who started three weeks ago might think when they see this set. I mean, there's nothing that's going to be... I think what's interesting about this set is that there's nothing that is the crux of your build around, right? No. Like, it, it, it's perfect what you said, right? When you build an Ultra deck, you build a Gardener deck, you build a Singleton deck, you're building a deck because you want to take advantage of those cards. And what I think this mini set gave us were some build around cards, but these are the cards that are the enablers and not like the end result, if that makes sense. Like I look at a card like Shadow Marking and I have nonstop been thinking about things I want to do with it. Yeah. But shadow marking isn't the end goal. It's just an enabler. And I think that's what a lot of this set did. Moose is a, a great example of that. Moose was a, initially a letdown for a lot of people because the last two mini sets gave us neutral legendaries that were spawning a new archetype, right? Alter, yeah. singleton stuff. And yeah. this legendary did not do that. But what this one did was really help enable a bunch of archetypes that had been struggling in the past. Spell sword. Yeah. Um, it gives some great draw tools to Sorcerer, Mid-Monk I've been having a lot of success. And so it, like Shadow Marking, is more of an enabler for the other things. And I, uh, I, I think I kind of appreciate that they gave us a set. Like, I understand the appeal, but I also kind of like that they gave us a set where there was no, like, hey, go build this, like, pointing out at you. Because that was always one of my criticisms about Hearthstone uh, design and, and recent right. expansions. 
Right. There are no, um, there are no hero cards, no quest cards. Right. Quest cards. That's a big one, right? So, like, I kind of liked that that wasn't in this one, but I do understand what you are saying. And that if you're a new yeah. player and you look at this, you're saying, like, what do I need this set for? What is this telling me to do? There is no, you know, driving theme. Right. I th That said, though, they did give us a build around card on the first, which is Altmer Dragon Knight. I mean, yes. which is actually, in my opinion, like a trap if you build around it. But like, you know, it is that kind of card. It's a trap. It is because it's a it's a it's a really solid card. But Action Mage is a bad deck. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree. It's a fun thing to do, right? And when you go off, it's it feels great, you know. But it's not. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that the build around card for this was maybe Apex Wolf. I've been seeing a lot of people jamming it in and trying it out and doing things. Like obviously, you had a lot of success in uh, Rage Crusader. Um, yeah. I got that win because it hit Odaving, uh, yeah. which like validated my entire night, you know? So uh, maybe, maybe that one is in secret, our build around card. I can see that. And, and it does have hints of that. Right. And like, I, I, I did say when the cards were being revealed, like piecemeal that like it was, I think I thought a really, really well-designed card because it hits so many notes as far as like player demographics that might be interested in it. And I think it's actually proven to be slightly more competitively viable than like I, I would have thought it would be. Although it's not, but it, you know, it's 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 good. It's definitely good. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that it was going to be like dumpster tier. Uh, in my mind, I I had been comparing it to um, it was a higher risk, higher reward version of Fate Weaver. So yeah, if, if you follow like the history of control. Um, there are a number of control decks popularized by players who no longer play the game that would oftentimes <laughs> maybe yeah. they change maybe they do and they just don't post their deck list anymore they yeah change. who knows uh but a number of times they would slide in and out depending on the meta fate weaver and a lot of times when people would say i don't i don't understand why fate weaver is in this deck the their reply was simply it draws a card and sometimes that's all you care about in control is it's a body that draws a card i, I have to say something so Blackfall's on my friends list. <laughs> yeah. Blackfall's rank nine. So it has not played in a while. Hasn't played in two months. Yeah, at least. But allegedly quit like five months ago. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can drop below rank nine, though. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I don't think you ever go back to 12. I think 12 is like for the super beginner. Because you can't like lose stars ever or whatever up until nine. But or... I did not. I did not know that. That's actually sort of sort of sad. I thought maybe they were just still playing in secret. Yeah, I mean maybe they are. I don't know. But the point is, is that Apex Wolf is that is that card, right? It's it's your six cost body and control that draws you a card. Now I say higher risk, higher reward because if it's silenced yeah. and killed, uh, you don't get to draw the card. But it hey. does have drain and breakthrough, and it does grant things drain and breakthrough. So there is like <laughs> benefit there. Oh, I have another update. I'm looking at DC Deacon, Pete Hines' profile right now. <laughs> he is rank 12. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Chunara in chat says you can go back to rank 12. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well. people who might be rank 12 are on my friends list, and I did not get disappointed. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. Well, then we stand corrected. Uh, yeah. I, listen, yeah. that what I'm about to say is going to sound super, like, snobby elitist, and I understand that, and I apologize, but I've never fallen, like, lower than rank 5. Uh, I did once. Yeah. Once since the game launched. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just... 
Actually, it was last October. It was when I when I started grad school. Yeah, I I at a minimum I've always hit at least legend. I don't always place like high legend or anything because that depends a lot on my free time. But uh, I've always been at least legend. Even when we were traveling and I had to play in a hotel room with Justin, because uh, that's happened more than once. Where I'm like, hey, I really just need <laughs> like three more wins real quick to hit legend. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, those have been good times. I love that that's happened multiple times. <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> and wait, but wasn't it? I mean, I feel like twice now we've been somewhere where multiple people have sat around your phone as you played and you beat LMAO. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't that happened more than once? Um, I don't know if it was LMAO. Like I've beaten him with multiple people around. That was the night when we were at the Cabal, like yeah. besides the HQ. Um, yeah. Who are you playing when we were at the Wing Place? uh Petamax. Petamax, that's right that's yeah right. <laughs> when when all 16 quake con uh competitors you me cvh josh and uh cory are all sitting there <laughs> yeah yeah i beat Petamax, and there was somebody else i beat because everybody else was having a good time and i was like i'm gonna play some legends all the competitors yeah. got to spend all all uh weekend or whatever it was playing legends and i'd barely got to play and i was really hyped because the the tournament had made me super excited to play the game so yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to play it here while we're eating dinner. Don't judge me. That is so funny. Aeolus, I always lose to LMAO as well. <laughs> Him and I are very back and forth. We always have great close games. Like, I can't ever think of a time where we've blown each other out, but we're usually like 50-50. Well, I think I've played them twice and both... I mean, I've, okay, I take that back. I've beaten them in Arena, but like on the latter, I... I played him twice. Both times he was playing some kind of, you know, dirtily but like hilarious type of deck. And like, of course, that's kind of what I'm doing too, but I don't have a win condition. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I remember one time I lost to Mushroom Tower Spell Sword. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember the other one, but something similar happened. Yeah, I always have great games with him. And then uh, Frenzy is another one. Frenzy and I are very back and forth and we always have great games as well. I feel like Frenzy's a guy I've played a number of times. I think actually I got some videos on my channel playing him. I kind of stopped uploading videos where I lose though, so it's it, you know it's tough to say. <laughs> well, that's because everyone knows that you're the best Legends player that ever played. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Mercury nine 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 says I used to play top tier decks and got bored. Now I devoted my life to the memes. Thanks, Justin. Oh, you're welcome, man. It's a good story. Silverfuse has a friend who ended in Legend but never logged on again, so they're always Legend. Even months later, they're Legend 1200. That's funny. Oh, because it'll stay until they sign back in again or whatever. That is funny. Like, the profile updates on login. Justin goes 3-15 and 15 and uploads the three wins. Uh, sometimes. It depends what I'm trying to do, though. Like, if I'm trying to convince people to play a deck, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to come at it from that angle with something that I know is bad. Like, I'll frame it as, hey, I'm trying to do something cool, and, you know, here it is. It really depends what I'm playing. Yeah. I... See, I'm in that weird... Like, I like to be competitive, and I like winning, so I play more meta decks, but I usually still try to explore new areas of deck building with them, right? Like, there's a reason I've been thumping Sedanine for three months or whatever it is now, because I think that it's, like, it's my what I would call my uh, my meta meme, right? Maybe that's my best description. Sure, I'm the sure. meta memes. I, I try to get people to play Worm King's Agent and Satanines and things like that because I know they're 
you know, good enough to, to go there. Yeah. And then people just call me a liar. So I'm like that nice middle ground. Yeah. I mean, you're also a liar. But it's, it's incidental. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just not lying about that. Yeah. <laughs> just no, like I wasn't at... lying about moose. Yeah. Well, okay. So I don't know where we should begin here. But, like, I think it would be a, a reasonable place to start that we mention that we're, we were, like, what, six or seven sets into Legends now? And every single time... <laughs> How do I put this? <laughs> <laughs> same people are always wrong about the same sorts of things for the same reason when they predict a fire level of cards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't... You know what I miss? I miss CVH predictions. Like... <laughs> Those are... <laughs> Look, I mean, I love CVH. His predictions weren't great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not going to pretend like I've got them all correct. There are certainly some cards that I have missed on, but uh, yeah. I think that our... For a couple of guys who, like, don't take it as super serious as uh, some other people do, we're usually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We're usually pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's a difference, too, like, in, like, how we we frame these things, right? Like, in a video hyping up, like, previewing the new cards, well, they only got halfway through them before I just decided to start releasing gameplay videos again. You know, for Harmony, for instance, I'm like... This is a really fun card that you can do a lot of interesting, funny things with. But, like, I never said, like, this is a good card. Although, it, I think it's better than trash. Yeah. Usually, so, my rule of thumb, we were actually talking about this before we went live. I hate, like, ratings. And I, I honestly even hate, like, rankings. Like, I know, like, CVH, for example, posted on Twitter, this is my rankings or whatever. And I saw some other people do it. Um, saying, like, one card is just better than another is really tough to do in a vacuum and things like that because cards are uh, powerful based on situations, right? Like the meta develops because of situations and then certain cards will be better or worse because of the meta. So usually when I review cards, I try to talk about instead of like, is this good or is this bad? I want to say like, this is when this would be good and keep an eye out for that if the meta ever goes that way. Because that, I think, makes more sense. And I also think that it's just better for, like, helping new players assess things. Because cards that might, like, be overlooked... You know, Forgotten Hero Collection is a great example, right? Like, when you and I were reviewing those, we kept saying things like Doppelganger and Ulfric's Uprising and things like that at the time. You know, we said, in that meta right then, didn't necessarily have a place. But there yeah. was a period, there was, like... There was a way where these could be powerful if the yeah. right conditions were met and then we got houses of morrowind and right. those conditions were met so yeah. you know I, I i'm just looking at now i i guess i had forgotten that uprising and conscription are both in forgotten hero yeah and but, so is cast into time cradle crush giant bleak coast troll yeah this is these are all powerful cards yeah shrined in the mirror voice of bounce probably the least played card here which was one that some people were very excited about. And I said that I felt like yeah. it was a bit too conditional because it was never a real four drop. Bleak Coast Troll, or Bleak Coast Troll, uh, Voice of Balance is the Slay Khajiit of the Forgotten Hero Collection. Uh, no, I think it's the Bleak Coast Troll. The Slay Khajiit is, is just stats. Like, to me, when I look at uh, Torval Extortionist, 
yeah. for example. Like we can talk about the power level of that. I just see a bunch of stats, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not, in my opinion, I don't think you play that card for the ability. The ability is like icing on the cake as a consolation. Like, oh, I didn't get to deal seven damage to my opponent. I guess I get to play a big threat. But I don't think you build around it unless you're doing it for memes. Like if you're doing it for fun and you want to get like 30 magic on a turn, you know, yeah. have at it, do it. But from a competitive point of view, um, it's really about investing five magicka into something that has seven attacks so that you can swift strike with it or monk strike or whatever it is, right? Like that's the power level of that card because agility never had that high attack uh, cheap creature until extortionist. That's fair. That is fair. So, okay. Let's let's just go through the cards one by one. Give some 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 thoughts now that we've seen them all in action. Yeah, I like where your head's at. Let me uh, yeah. let me pull up a list here. Everyone also, tried voice of balance work. Yeah, uh, I I think voice of balance has a place in the world. Um, that places my support mage list. <laughs> <laughs> so. One thing I have noticed, um, I like to use Legends decks to take my screenshots of things, and um, yeah. they still have the Moose as a unique Legendary. Like, it won't let me put more than one into a deck. Hmm. It's kind of driving me nuts. Good old Moose. Mal Malibu Barbus in chat says, for the new cards, rate them on a scale of uh, from one to Moose. <laughs> That's a very reasonable scale. I All right. <laughs> I've got I uh, respect that scale. I've got the list up. Why don't we? Why don't we just go in the order of uh, like magic cost, right? Okay. Like, let's start with uh, Karthspire Scout or Sandrork. Sandrork, yeah. So Karthspire Scout, places I've seen it, Abomination, and I've seen it in Orcs, Orc Warrior Orc X, and it's been, it's been g g predictably good in Abomination, and I only played Nork deck once. And uh, it did nothing. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. And that's um, that's pretty on par with where I was reviewing it. I, I felt like this was a great combo tool. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's actually decent in Arena as well, right? Mm -hmm. I, I do, like, there. That, that's a tough one. Why would you say that, I guess, is my question. Well, because, right, in Arena, it's typically like an aggro or a mid-range fest, and there's not a lot of playable one drops. And I think that this is just good enough to say, like, I'll put this on the board. Um, it either turns into free damage. It carries items pretty well in arena. Uh, I don't think that the increased one cost is that big of a deal in arena because the games aren't like over super fast necessarily. I, yeah. I, I think it's fine in arena. But yeah, I mean, this is a combo piece or... Uh, something that maybe goes into some weird last gasp deck but okay yeah I, I i like it in anything that wants to draw cards i have not yet played it with a deck that's trying to use betray with it i think that's a a, a reasonable thing you could do um but i haven't done it yet personally yeah i think the biggest problem with stuff like betray is that there is just better betray targets and as much as it kills me inside to say it and i want the card to get deleted like you would rather play Balmora Spymaster. Yeah, most of the time, yeah. I mean, if you really wanted, like, a good spell sword Betray and you're trying to play, like, a Chanter spell sword that's running Rising of Bones, then maybe. 
Maybe this fits. I can see that. I do like Rising of Bones. I think Rising of Bones is a fairly good card. I think it's, it's a not, great card. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it sees as much play as it could. I guess would be the best way I, I could put that. I've, see, I've actually seen a fair amount of it lately. I, I don't. Yeah, I have no idea why. It's been showing up in Telvani more and more as a way hmm. for people to get rid of uh, Cat's Paws and Spy Masters because the cruel fire. Basically, I see it in Telvani's that uh, if they're running Cat's Paw and they're not running Altar, uh, I've seen people running Rising of Bones instead. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, so I guess it's it's about as good as we all thought it would be, right? Yeah. Yeah. So next up we have Green Packed Ambusher. Um, contingently good, right? <laughs> there, there are some certain situations where it's great. And then there's all the other decks people are playing it in right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that it's a hundred percent better than the orc, like some people claim. Like there are aggro decks where, if you want to run the orc, I think that the orc could be better. Prophecy Battle Mage might be the best example I can think of. I would much rather prefer a four-one that I can hide in the shadow lane than maybe getting to play this for free but being stuck with this having guard. Also, the the thing that's cool about the card can be a drawback. I ran into that the other night. I had somebody who kept it in their hand and then I flooded a lane like as a control player and it made it jump out of their hand. And so, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess I didn't realize until I played it for the first time that it was not optional. The summon if the lane is full. Thing. Yes, it is not optional. It forces yeah. it out of your hand if you meet the requirements. So, right. Um, I think during my review video, I said that most decks that were running Protector of the Innocent would consider running this, and I think that's a fine assessment. You want a yeah. Prophecy Guard to help you survive the early game if they're flooding a lane and you get to play it for free, even better. But I don't think that this is um, like slap this into aggro decks like I've been seeing. I agree. I agree. Um, really cool ability. Really good in Unstoppable Rage decks. Um, or at least potentially good. Uh, something that people are going to have to learn to play around, but not format-changing, meta-defining, just a good piece in some puzzles. Let me ask you a question, right? Yeah. Do you think this is good in Rage decks because it's good in Rage decks? Or do you think it's good in Rage decks right now because people are already just not playing around Rage? Because you would think that the 2-2 two and two would be the opposite of going hand-in-hand, hand, right? Like, if I'm playing against a Rage deck, I... I feel like I shouldn't want to overload a lane because I'm just asking for trouble. Yeah. And yet... Yeah, we talked about this a little bit before the show started, right? Like, people are just not playing around Unstoppable Rage right now. <laughs> At least, you know, people between ranks 5 and 3, which is what I've seen. Um, and so... This card is great. Because it, it lets you go in... It, it lets you blow people out with a rage way sooner than you would expect to be able to. Um, but it's generally like not like magical fantasy land. Yeah. This is also surprisingly good with Apex Wolf. Justin and I have found because if Apex Wolf hits this uh, one in rage decks, it gives you like ravenous hunger 2.0. But two, yeah. if your Apex Wolf hits this and then somebody does overload a lane, um, yeah. this thing jumps out of the hand at the end of the turn and can attack right away. So it basically becomes yeah. like kill a creature, gain four life. Yeah, it's it's really strong with Apex Wolf. 
um, which is a card I, I'm really eager to discuss, actually. Well, that's close to the end, naturally. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so after Ambusher, we have Harmony. Yeah. Well, we kind of touched on this already. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think that the card is, like, good in this meta, though it's funny, on a couple of Discord servers, uh, I've seen some people who were saying that they were playing it and actually having great results against lethal creatures. Hmm. They, they were saying, like, hey... Okay. If somebody's playing Fighters Guild Recruits, if they're playing Sanctuary Pets, um, yeah. they were playing Harmony in, uh, like one person, for example, was playing Harmony in a Mage deck that was also running like Executes and Grizzly Gourmets, and they were like, "Hey, it activates those, but it's been a godsend against Lethal creatures," which I thought was actually pretty okay. interesting. That's it. That is interesting. It's a uh, the power level is there. Right, but, but what it does, what it actually does, is not good in every matchup. Right? No, this has the potential to be a very dead card, yeah. so it is I not. I haven't played Arena since the set came out, and I, I'm going to intentionally draft Yellow to try to grab a copy or two of it so that I can feel it out there because I, I have this expectation that it's going to be amazing. I mean, Prophecy is always good in Arena. Turns out, smaller deck sizes means uh, Prophecy is a whole lot better. Yeah, that's fair. If you draft three Prophecy cards in your Arena deck, 10% of your deck is Prophecies. Yeah, math checks out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, after Harmony, uh, we have Sword of the Inferno. Yeah. Sword of the Inferno is really good. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 <laughs> you and I were both kind of all in on this one uh, yeah. anyway, but it turns out we were, we were right. It's been... Performing yeah. as expected in every deck I've tried it in so far. It, it It's good in decks where it's not good. I mean, the card itself is just good, right? Yeah. You don't need to build around it, although, like, you know, take it into consideration when building a deck that you might, you know, you might want to actually be able to use this. Uh, but it's really, really solid. And it doesn't do nearly enough for Wounded Warrior to make that deck a thing, but, like, it is still good in all sorts of other decks. You know what? Uh, I lost to this, and some people said that they saw Dust go on an insane run with it. Uh, it's been helping out Slay, like, Ramp Warrior. Yeah, pr I pr actually pretty, pretty insanely. It turns out this card is uh, yeah. very, very good on Falkreath Defiler. Exactly, Even exactly. Even, it's better than crossbow. Even if it's killing the defiler, because then you get to res two things, because the slay self triggers. <laughs> I know. Um, Wait, I learned that on stream actually when I killed my own Moragtong aspirant. Yeah. Uh, turns out it's also amazing on blood magic lords and things like that in that deck as well. So slay yeah. ramp warrior, like look out. That's kind of a thing. Um, it's great in battle mage. I've yes. seen some people use it very successfully as predicted on Breton Conjurer. I agree. Aeolus disagrees. Aeolus has an amazing clip out there playing Wounded Warrior and getting some Horker lethal. Have you seen this? Yeah, I don't I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Raging Horker is majestic. Raging Horker gives me a Raging Horker. That makes sense. Celine has joined us, by the way. Hello, Celine. Yes. Celine is a Twitch superstar. She has her own emote and everything. She does. You know, now that there's three cats in the house, like, she's demanding more attention. 
So yeah, the, the short version is Sword is amazing. We all kind of thought it would be after seeing it. It's enabling a bunch of different decks. This this one actually might be another one that could theoretically qualify as a build around card. But again, like it's enabling other decks, right. but you are kind of building around getting to trigger this too. Also, I like... Good. Uh, just real quick, uh, if you guys haven't seen it, Galen on this thing is hilarious. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I, I feel like everybody on the planet forgets that you can Galen items. Yeah, you can Galen items, and it essentially makes it so that the self-wounding thing... Um, well, it still matters in the Wounded Warrior, but for your Slay deck variants, it's even better. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I mean, what I like about it, too, is that it doesn't prop up existing decks. I mean, here's the thing. It props up existing decks, but it isn't good in any of the Tier 1 stuff, necessarily. That was that was, you know, it's not great in Agro Warrior, it's not great in Halalu. Although yeah. it's not great in the Halalu deck we were seeing, I guess I should say. Yeah, I mean, mid BM is like the closest thing, right, yeah. to the to the high tier deck that it's helping. Yeah. So after uh, Sword of the Inferno, we have Shadow Marking. Shadow Marking is a really, 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 really strong card. <laughs> yeah. This this is also just like the sword doing exactly what Justin and I thought it would, which is yeah. super enabling combo decks. Right. It is really, really good. Uh, it's It digs deeper than anything that costs the same amount. Um, Camel digs equally deep, but gets you, nets you less cards. Although Camel's better in some circumstances. Yeah, I mean, you can't resurrect Shadow Marking with your Necromancer, but... Right. Camel also leaves you open to Piercing Twilight because you have to discard the other cards. Right. Um, so, CVH actually had some pretty good results with Shadow Marking in place of Gambler. He was running uh, Shadow Marking in a uh, basically Charger, right? Like, if you're not familiar, I used to run a deck right. called Charger, just bunch of charge creatures in archer and then yeah. ways to buff them um he said he went like seven and oh with it it's kind of insane that makes sense yeah but sense. shadow marking's good in abomination mm -hmm. it's good in a lot of things um i'm planning on giving it a whirl in market archer yeah i think it's undoubtedly good in market archer I have, had, I have to say, like, I have had a lot of fun with Abomination since this set dropped. <laughs> yeah. It's just so good. Yeah, so Shadow Marking, good. Yes. We expected that. Yeah. Uh, next... Also, very capable of memes. Like, yeah, very capable of memes. Justin and I were talking uh, about <laughs> some stuff that I wanted to do with that card for, like, a meme before we yeah. went live, so that'll be fun. We will get to that, yeah. <laughs> We will both do really degenerate things with that card. Yeah. Uh, so after Shadow Marking, we have Piercing Twilight, which is a bit of a uh, controversial one because I've already heard some people saying that it like ruins all of their fun and it's too strong. And uh, yeah. I don't think that's the, the case. Yeah. I've heard people say it's too strong and I've heard people say it's unplayable. <laughs> I'm I, totally I think it's in the middle. I th yeah. I think it's a very valuable card that sometimes is going to be really good. And most of the time is not. <laughs> yeah, to me, this is almost on the same tier as Harmony in that it's very good in some matchups and very mediocre in others. Yeah, I totally agree. So, I mean, it's it's a really good, like, control buster if you're in a control mirror. Yeah. 
I think that that is the best use for it. The reason I don't think it's as good in other decks, um, just for example, right? Like I had some somebody say to me like they wanted to play it in mid-range Sorcerer so that they could like remove a Javelin from the opponent's discard pile and then they don't have to worry about Javelins anymore. Okay, yeah. like great, but one, they're not going to Javelin you on curve, so that means you're not playing this card on for. And two, if they've already played a Javelin, they've nuked something amazing of yours already. Right. You know, you're already likely behind at that point because you're, they're playing hard removal and you're playing sorcerer and that's already a bad matchup for you. And so now you have to play an understated creature, not on curve to make it so that you're not as annoyed. Like it just doesn't feel correct in those scenarios. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, uh, the body is nice. The body's, you know, acceptable. Sure. But I mean, like if you're if you're looking to play something on curve and you're just okay with a four four guard and it's a deck like mid range sorcerer or BM or whatever, then right. like dress renegades almost always going to be superior because then you can uh, negate shackles that your opponent sets up, right? So you can stop those sanctuary pets and harpies. You can sure. maybe run vigilant giant. Like there's yeah. just I don't know. I just I feel like there's better cards for curve based decks to run in yeah. place of twilight and so if you're not playing twilight in those decks then you're playing it in control and then you have to say like okay if i'm playing this card in control what does it help me with helps you against control matchups right because those are going to be long typically anyway like long attrition wars um but like against aggro you're not going to win because you made it so they didn't draw the rest of the rash berserkers, right? Like they still got a million ways to well, draw cards. I mean, like you're almost always right. Right. But I mean, it, there are corner cases where that chipping away at their card pool is going to matter. Sure. You know, I mean, like, like if in a, in a, I mean, I know you already brought up control mirrors, but I think even in mid range mirrors, the ability to say, get rid of a, like, hit the first moose or something like that could be relevant. I mean, like I can think of situations. Yeah. I mean, we can all think of it, but I guess my point is those are the 5% things, right? Like you yeah. don't put decks or cards in your deck because of your 5% five edge case scenarios. I guess sure. that's, that's what I'm trying to say is you put cards in your deck because you're trying to um, hit the most consistent scenarios that are presented to you. Cause that's what yeah. like you want to deal with. And like, can I come up with situations where piercing twilight would be awesome? Sure, I can come up with a lot of things. I'm a very imaginative person, but that doesn't make it right. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you don't, but Justin does. I'm lost. Yeah, I don't know. I'm seeing a bunch of weird things in chat. Like, is Justin's box longer? Probably. Justin's always longer than me, Kappa. Um, some people are talking about Twilight and saying, like, it hurts decks that filter. Taking out Viper is nice, too. I mean, it does hurt decks that filter, but unless they used Camel and, like, as part of their filter had to put a combo piece in there, then all you're doing is taking away the stuff they didn't want anyway. You know what I mean? Um... This, dark, this card does hurt Conscription if you can get it to trigger multiple times. Because in my opinion, I don't think it... Like, you can play it on a Conscription, 
And that can, in an edge case, win you the game, right? But that means you have to have already survived one conscription or they had to have a really shitty choice and discard one. I was telling Derek before the show started, by the way, like I have Piercing Twilighted conscription and still lost. <laughs> yeah, right? Like that that happens. Yes. Um, now, on the flip side of this, though, is that the deck I was playing was really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, possible. But uh, it's good against Necromancer. Yes, I think it's great against uh, Necromancer good if there are annoying toolbox stuff. You know what card? You know what this card needed uh, to be printed against, but we just don't see it anymore. Hmm. Back when Scout was rampant, because if you take out a bat, yes, right. If you take out giant bat, old Scout had a significantly harder problem. Yeah. It, but, I mean, like once Scout took out Histgrove, it, it used bats to win the game against Tribunal and Mage. Get rid of them. Yeah, you win. So, almost, almost certainly. You should be able to play that match to fatigue as long as you can cast in a time that Parthen X. Right. But now, you know, most modern Necromancer decks treat Necromancer as a, like a tutor of sorts. It's a toolbox. So you can take out, you know, Vipers, but then you still have to deal with Sanctuary Pet. And then you can take out Sanctuary Pet, but you still have to deal with Harpy, right? Like they got a, a number of ways to slow you down. Black Hand Messenger. I mean. And so, uh, and so, like in chat, you know, Toker, uh, C City Toker says, every deck you play against has an optimal target. You can take out win conditions, which is true. But as I said, if it's in the discard pile, they've either been incredibly unlucky, or you have to have already survived their win condition, and then played this, right? Yeah. So like that's the difficulty. And this doesn't just magically make the the match one for you, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying it can't help you win. I'm just saying that this card isn't likely the reason you're winning it's also because you survived i think it's more likely to win you a game because it's a 4-4 guard for four <laughs> yeah but like i said it's not unreasonable it's not great but it's not <laughs> it's not unreasonable yeah so after piercing twilight we have death hound yeah yeah i mean it's it's not mimi enough would be my my first reaction yeah. to this card. Um, I've had some people. I have not played it yet personally, but I've had some people report some pretty decent success in like self silence warrior and self silence scout. Sure. Yeah. Because it's a big six six body for five, and then after it takes some damage or whatever, if you silence it, the attack just goes right back up because it negates the effect, and you can still swing like a truck. Sure. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That checks out. It's just not good enough, though. Not that it's terrible, but it's not. I don't know. I don't know. It's on my list of memes that I want to try at some point. It's 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 like it's competitively costed in for I, I can imagine situations where it's really good. But it's also not funny enough. <laughs> like I guess that's my biggest complaint. The more I think about it, like I'm just disappointed that it's not quite meme enough. <laughs> yeah, but this is coming from a guy that like loves High Hrothgar. This is just High Hrothgar on yeah. a body. Hyrothgar is one of my favorite cards. Right. So, like, I don't understand why you dislike this. It is... it is Because it's <laughs> because, not hard enough to assemble? Like, is that legitimately like, your... <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, it is... I mean, it's a permanently ring of imaginary magic creature, but, like... I don't know. I To be fair, I have not actually played this one yet, and I have not seen it played against me. Yeah, I haven't seen it played against me yet either. I was just going by what some people had reported uh, yeah. in various places that i chat about the game so oh, of course i i like it but 
you know, it's uh, it's not it's not cool enough. <laughs> Gyro Captain in chat says Justin wants it to have one health, and I agree. I think if this was a one drop that was a one one that had that text, you would be all over it. I'd Voltron the shit out of this card, dude. You would be running this thing with Maple Shields so that you could yeah. drop your entire opening hand just to have like. You know, a 10-10 one drop. All day. All fucking day would I be doing that. It'd be glorious. I, I'm getting I, I'm getting a raging horker actually just thinking about it to yeah. steal a raise from you. <laughs> I really need to like make raging horker an emote or something. Yeah, I'm thinking about making a moose emote. I actually, like, I'm, I don't know that I have enough ideas for all the emote slots that I have. <laughs> Hit, hit me up. I'll give you ideas. I, I got plenty of Justin-friendly ideas. <laughs> I need seven more. <laughs> That's easy. Oh. That is easy. So after Deathhound, we have Destruction Tutor. Uh, the worst card in the set. I think I agree. Because it's really only usable in like 1.5 archetypes if you can call the difference between action assassin and action mage like a difference, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen it played in action mage, sure, yeah. but like I don't think it did much to really improve it and it's performing exactly the way I thought it was going to, which is you play it and then it sets up like a finishing move the next turn if it goes unanswered and you've got a handful of actions. Yeah. But... Uh could be interesting in the future. It's a card you always got to watch for. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we're not we're not there today. Um, but I can imagine a world where this is a staple. Yeah. As I said, all they need to do is if they print a card, whether it's a creature or a support or even an item, if they print anything that says, like, when you play an action, draw a card, this card goes from, like... Yeah most disappointing card in the set to potentially one of the best like that's literally all it needs to say it could be a seven cost support that says nothing else other than when you play an action draw a card and it would make this card insane yeah i'd agree with that it's uh you know it's a build around that doesn't have enough for payoff for building around i i do feel like and i made some custom cards actually i made a a custom card looks a lot like this called alteration tutor <clears throat> but uh it's a custom card that like uh how do i put this oh what, what i was gonna say was i can, like there are i think it's inevitable that we get when we get the other five three color houses which i also think is inevitable um this will be there will be an action like set an action class you know what i mean yeah, I think that's probably probably right. Like, it wouldn't shock me if when we get the blue, green, yellow combination, if that's not somehow pretty action-focused. Yeah. Like, if I was going to pick one to expect, I would pick that one. Yeah, exactly. But I do like that that archetype continuing to see support. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I... I have nothing against it. It's yeah. it's just not interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after Destruction Tutor, we have Torval Extortionist. So the most obvious card, like the, the, the most straightforward card in some ways, but al although like it does present a ton of options while being played. Yeah. 
it's like just I not said, that yeah, I was gonna say, like I said, uh, this is your Bleak Coast troll of the set, in my opinion. It's yeah. a it's a ball of stats with uh, an upside slay, just like yeah. Bleak Coast troll was a ball of stats with an upside slay. Yeah. Um, I know some people are having a lot of fun with the slay on this as uh, a bit of a meme, right? Uh, yeah. And that's that's cool, but I still don't think you build your deck around this slay. Uh, I think that you build your deck around the the seven attack on this, and then the slay yeah. is like a consolation upside. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, the meme potential though is exponential. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's possible you do insanely cool stuff with this card. It's just not super likely. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, if you want to live the dream, right? You're talking about, you know, Night Mother's flooding lanes so that you can staff a Sparks on this bad boy and then play everything under the sun. Or... Yeah. Or, excuse me, not Night Mother, but... Uh, whatever the other... There, there's one uh, expensive... Anyway, the point is... Uh, there's a lot of stuff you can do. Like, Rage is a pretty common one, right? Like, you Unstoppable Rage and net a bunch of Magicka. Unstoppable Rage is the obvious one. You know, we've talked about giving it Ward and Lethal and then crossbowing things down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, I don't know. For some reason, I, I, I feel like... <sighs> this is like a bone being thrown to people, but like this, I feel like this is actually one of the, like, the least... The, the, the most shallow of the cards, I guess, would be my best way to put this. Yeah, I mean, the the use that I have, the the best use of the card that I have personally had thus far is it's a 10-point life gain with Monk's Drake. Because like I said, to me, yeah. I think the real value is this is a 7-attack creature. Um, agility hasn't really had high attack standard creatures that we're seeing play, I guess I should say, right? They have them, but they, they weren't seeing play before. So this right. was it like was, a boon to it was, Monk. It was in the color pie. It was in the color pie, obviously, but hadn't been explored. Yeah. So yeah. turns out this with uh, Monk Strike and Swift Strike is pretty good. <laughs> but like by virtue of existing, though, I mean, like it does encourage people to play mid-range decks, which is is nice. But like mid-range had been conspicuously, you know, absent for a while now. Yeah, that's fair. Despite all of my, you know, daily mid-range sorcerer updates, Kappa. That's an aggro deck, bro. No, that's not. Not the one I play. Listen, listen, listen. I don't think you can say that any deck running Worm King's Agent is aggro, right? <laughs> yeah. I stand by I, that. I mean, like, it's a bad aggro deck. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, dude. You're yeah. right. Uh, so Pete Crichton says, I think Extortionist could be good in mid-Dagath. Uh, I'm going to do some testing with it there, but I actually think that uh, it competes with Blood Dragon for that spot. Because 5 is actually a, yeah. a heavily contested Magicka slot in mid-Dagath because you've got yeah. uh, Brynjolf and Hand of Dagath, and I think the Drain's important. you got Cliff Racers. Um, yeah. And like if I'm... If I'm playing mid Dagath, I think that the five seven and ability to like fly all over the board and ignore guards ends up being more useful than the seven five, because yeah. when I play mid Dagath anyway, I'm fighting hard for the board yeah. to to make sure that I'm stabilizing. Because I play it like a true mid range deck, not like go face. There is no mid grow in my world. Mid grow is alive, people. It's aggro or it's mid. Um, I mean, the, the you know it's a good card. It's but, a good card. 
you know, the power level is there, like, it, like by virtue of the stats. Yeah. The stat line, yeah. And then we're on to. I oh, I have to say, I have to say, I I love that they that they got, um, Dragon Tamer Blade to reveal that card, right? Because <laughs> that guy's put more hours into Slay Scout than like anybody else on the fucking planet, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So like that that was the perfect like sink, like sinking of, uh, card revealer and card revealed. Apex Wolf. We're there. We're we're down to the last two, and I think they're the two most interesting anyway, so... Yeah. Apex Wolf. Sig okay, like, start off by saying significantly better than most people expected it to be. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. But at all... I mean, it also could be... Um, uh, I'll be honest, right? <clears throat> it could be inflated results because people are not used to playing around it yet, and because I have personally been running into a lot less aggro because i think everyone else is testing uh new decks yeah i don't know like how well apex wolf is going to perform if it's constantly running up against like warrior or halalu or whatever but so far early returns are showing that the apex wolf is at least better than i thought it would be it's fair very fair I don't know if it'll stick around long term, but it does some interesting stuff. It draws a card. <laughs> like that, that's it, man. It draws a fucking card. Like that's why it's good. Like the, the breakthrough, the drain, it's funny, but it draws a card. <laughs> yeah, the draw card is kind of a big deal. It's a huge deal. That's why it's good. Everything about Apex Wolf that's good is in the last gasp ability. Yeah. The fact that it also has breakthrough and drain, interesting, sometimes relevant, right? Adding an additional playable willpower drain creature to the meta is significant in some ways. Um, but it's just that's not why it's good like really good, you know? It's it's good because it draws a card. <laughs> yeah. And uh sometimes gives Odaving breakthrough and drain. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I still feel like there's a lot of meme potential with this because it will always draw a creature, right? Um, maybe in the future, you know, five sets down the road when we have a, a meme dream of like an all-action deck that just runs like Apex Wolves and then one creature you want to draw, you could do something silly. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I, actually, that's on my list. We're talking about our list of things to do. It's Steeler Secrets Mage. That card's just just straight upgrade to that deck. Yeah, helps you find the pieces. Yeah, it's good. I'm trying to think of other times you would want to use it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's great when it gets Bog Lurcher, as we've found. I did that the very first game I played with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because then you don't have to worry about finding your improvised weapon, right? Like, it just gets breakthrough. Yeah. It felt so good, man. It felt so good. <laughs> I like your Stay Hydrated bot, by the way. Yeah, it's actually not mine. It showed up on my channel once, and it just, like, sometimes it will post, and other nights it doesn't. So Wait, 
This is I, like a, a rogue fucking bot. Yeah, this is not my bot. If you guys uh, have never been by my my Twitch stream, wow. sometimes it's not always there, but sometimes uh, I'll get messages from a stay hydrated bot, and it'll tell me uh, how long I've been live and how much water I should have been uh, consuming during that time to make sure I'm staying hydrated. And it's funny this because uh, I always have this big bottle of water here, right? So I'm usually staying hydrated anyway. Yeah. But uh, it's not mine. This is not my bot. That, that is hilarious, but. Uh... <laughs> this yeah. is not my bot. This is not my bot. <laughs> so after Apex Wolf, we have the moose. Hold on, Elon Musk tried to warn us we didn't listen to City Tucker says. I like that. That's good. Wilds incarnate. The moose, the elk, the deer, the Amazing. buck. I not, I'm not going to say meta-defining, although right now, I think if you're not playing around it, you're not playing the game very well. Yeah, it is... I mean, it's good. It's as good as I thought it would be. It's very, very good in uh, mid-range uh, decks that don't run strength. Yeah. Right? Like, that was, that was what I said in my uh, review video. If you're running a mid-range deck and it does not have strength in it, you probably want to run Moose. Because yeah. you've never had access to Yarl before, but now you basically have version uh, a version of Yarl. And in my opinion, I think this is just flat out better than Yarl anyway. Um, the 5-6 yeah. guard has actually won me multiple games just by being a 5-6 guard. Uh, I've won some games in Sorcerer where... Uh, in the past, I would have run, like, Bone Colossus or Worm King's Agent, and instead, because I had a, just a vanilla 5-6 guard, I won as a result. Like, it's it's a really solid card. It's remarkably strong. And in the matchup, so this was this is interesting to me, right? Uh, in the matchups where you're not going to get the trigger, you, you kind of have to say to yourself... Um, it's really the second moose that punishes you, right? Like, yeah. I was telling Justin before, you lose one card drawn per rune lost, but if you're if you're losing runes, then you got cards from your runes anyway, so you should yeah. already have additional resources. So, because yeah. that used to always be, like, the thing about Yarl. This is something Turquoise Link used to always say, right? In the, in the times where you, you have Yarl and you don't want to play him, it's probably because you're behind or getting pummeled and you don't have the health lead, but you've got a bunch of cards anyway because somebody broke your runes. And the same thing holds true for Moose, right? If, yeah. if you're not drawing for Moose, you've drawn at least two bonus cards already. So the first Moose, um, you've kind of already got value out of because your opponent had to break your runes to prevent Moose value. So it's really the second Moose that starts to punish you. And then even still, you get a 5-6 guard, which is a hell of a lot better than that vanilla 4-4 four, four Yarl for 6. Yeah, it's it's almost always better than Yarl. Not always, but almost always. Yeah, almost it's, always. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it's like we were saying earlier. Like, cards are situationally good, but the number of situations where Incarnate is better than Yarl is high, in my opinion. Yeah, very high. It's exciting. It's fun. It's a beautiful card, too, which I think is, like, something that doesn't get, like, said enough about cards. It's a beautiful card. Also, the animation is fantastic. Let me say, yeah. uh, if you have not seen them in action yet, the animation for Sword of the Inferno and the animation for the uh, Wilds Incarnate, both of those are top-notch. 
I'm a big fan of those two animations. Yeah, I completely agree. Moose is the card to think about all the time right now. Yeah. Uh, Artist X in chat asks, uh, would you play both? And so I assume he's talking about Jarl and, and Wilds. I personally wouldn't. So first of all, like if you're playing Strength, you're probably not playing Jarl anyway. You're probably playing Ash Berserker. But I don't think you play both because you never want a scenario where you're playing Jarl on six to draw two cards and then playing Wilds on seven to just draw two cards. Like you want to draw cards and then refill the board and keep your pressure going. Um, cards that I would play with Wilds though, and I've already done a little bit of testing with it. Uh, I was playing a version of Mid Monk that was running uh, two Wilds Incarnate and two Golden Saints because they do different things, right? So Golden Saint is, instead of drawing you cards, giving you board presence, um, which is also important. But I also think that it's important to distinguish the difference between um, like strength decks that run Jarl typically don't have a lot of ways to get health back. And so it's all about the like you get ahead and then it keeps you ahead. Um, Golden Saint is more forgiving in Monk because you can be behind but land a big Monk strike to go ahead and then still get your Golden Saint value. So like it doesn't it doesn't share the same like space as the Moose. So yeah. um, there are some like health uh, lead cards that I would play with Incarnate, but Jarl isn't one of them personally. I agree. So, uh, what's, what's your, uh, what's your favorite moose moment so far? Uh, queuing into tribunal every time. <laughs> Cause uh, you know, you're about to draw a lot of cards and eat javelins. Yeah. Just every time. I mean, like there are certain matchups you just like, I've kept it on the mulligan actually. Um, I, when I knew someone was doing something because it's that good. It's, you know, it's changed the way I approach games. I just assume everyone's running Moose, so I'm more aggressive than maybe I would otherwise be. Yeah, that's actually why I wanted to ask you specifically, because I saw you tweet something and I thought it was an interesting take, which was uh, your tweet about East March Crusader. Yeah, I think if you're running a yellow deck that also runs Moose, like you should play in a manner where running East March Crusader in your deck, no matter how slow or fast your deck is, is the right thing to do. And you'll be rewarded as such. You know, I, I mean, like, I think it's part of it, like, it's just gr a grander idea to encourage, like, games to continue to be, like, played. Yeah. <laughs> like, not, you know what I mean? Like, we're discouraging people from passing the turn without doing anything. And I think East March Crusader belongs in every deck with yellow with moose in it, and you should play in a way that makes it effective. Yeah. So Cookies and Cash in chat asks, how good is Moose Index without a lot of life gain? Um, I'm going to be honest, really good. So like I've seen in, in right, right away, No Duck says, for example, like in, like a token mage. Uh, yeah, I've actually seen a token mage play Moose against me. It's going to be a yeah. YouTube vi uh, video uh, later this week. Um, this is actually, uh, I'm kind of like spoiling it. So you can look for this next week. I don't know what day it's going to come out. Uh, but I got a video I recorded where I'm playing Sorcerer that has Moose in it, right? And instead of Worm King or Bone Colossus, I'm running Moose. And uh, outside of Barrow Stalker, I just don't have life gain. Um, and my opponent was playing Token Mage, which I think outside of Bruma Profiteer, they didn't have life gain. 
Um, but Moose was incredibly impactful on both sides of the board. So if you're playing uh, like a mid-range or in some cases aggressive decks that aren't strength-based, like Token Mage, um, Moose is, uh, if you're playing against Control, going to draw you cards. And if you're not playing against Control and you're playing against an opponent who's hitting you in the face, sometimes yeah. playing a 5-6 guard is really good there, right? Like if you're behind, you want cards that will help you when you're playing from behind, and fat guards will do that. Will it do it all the time? No. Other players will have removal. Other players will have silences. But sometimes mm. it will be really, really helpful. And that's the same case with Sorcerer. Sorcerer is the kind of deck that always has great on-curve stuff. But outside yeah. of, like, Tome from Daggerfall Mage, you just don't have a lot of card draw. Like, that's always been the drawback for Sorcerer. But if you're playing uh, the Moose and you're against Control, specifically something like Tribunal that's always been... Uh, a difficult matchup for you, right? Because it's like you play you play a ward, you play Daggerfall, they negate it. You play a Bleak Coast, a Edict of Azura, right? They always do these one-for-ones. Um, you've got no way to get ahead of the control player because you're giving them cards when you break runes and they're never breaking your runes, so you never catch up. Right. The Moose in that scenario is what pushes things back in your favor. If they don't break your runes and they keep answering your threats you can play a big 5-6 body that draws you two cards and they have to answer the 5-6 body so it likely eats one of those javelins. Like, uh, Bone Colossus used to be the go-to finisher against control decks for Sorcerer. Um, there are going to be some scenarios, right? Again, everything is situational. There will be some scenarios where Bone Colossus is better, but overall across the board for Sorcerer, I think Wilds of Incarnate is uh, significantly better than Bone Colossus. I would much rather take two cards than three one ones, uh, and yeah. the five six having a guard is far better than the five five that does nothing. There's a reason that's like yeah. the the joke with Bone Colossus is he's Bone Daddy, but sometimes he's Hand Daddy because he sits in your hand because you never want to play him against aggressive decks. That's right. not does the case. Does nothing to the board. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think your deck needs to run life gain. This is my long winded answer to say I don't think your deck needs to run life gain for you to run Moose. Yeah, I agree. It's just really good. It's just really good. It's exciting, man. I love I love this fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> I really love this fucking game. I have to say, it, uh, five minutes ago, I started playing a game of Legends while we were doing the podcast. Shocker, I know. Yeah, and uh, I'm playing mid tribunal with Altmer Dragon Knight. My board right now, it's turn six against Warrior. My board right now is a uh, Windkeep Spellsword, a Barrow Stalker, an 8 7 Altmer Dragon Knight, a 5 4 Altmer Dragon Knight. My opponent's a 15. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels fucking great. <laughs> so, even though we didn't say it, I think we've probably unofficially shifted to the like question and answer part. So, uh, Gyro Captain asks Is Moose good in mid Battle Mage? What are your thoughts? Battle Mage actually feels like the one class that could run Moose that I don't want to run Moose in. I'll be honest, like mid Battle Mage is like one of my least favorite decks in the world to play. Uh, I, I I've played it a few times. I'm not by any means an expert with it. Uh, but like that deck, I, it feels to me like a deck very dependent upon drawing certain things and certain points in the game, and. An early moose stuck in your hand in that deck could be bad. Could be really bad. Yeah. Whereas, like, an like, 
you you want your expensive stuff that's drowning in your hand in the early game to at least have something some impact when you play it and like cradle crush giant like it mulliganing into it when you don't have the ring is not a great feeling but at least it might do something when you play it on turn six right yeah i listen i'm gonna agree with you and there's a couple of reasons why first uh this goes back to the uh i think moose is best in non-strength decks so if you're playing mid battle mage you've already got potentially like tome draws off of Daggerfall, but you also have ash berserker um, and then on the top end, right, if you're talking about expensive card draws, some versions run Vigilant Giant still as well, right? And yeah. the 8-8 guard and drawing one card is th that's not conditional is probably still better than the Moose. But the other yeah. reason, specifically with Mid-Battle Mage, I'm going to say I don't think it fits there, is that the other seven drops that are traditionally run in Mid-Battle Mage are very important and you don't want to crowd your seven slot. I think Mighty Conjuring and Belligerent Giant, because of the roles that they fill, are just better and in all honesty uh i think it's the same reason why i don't run it in mid dagath right like i look at the moose and it in theory in mid dagath i think it could be good but belligerent giant and strength based decks that are like more mid-range or late game focused i think is very very important it's just like a, a weird crowded slot so I, I, I say moose is great in non-strength decks but the minute strength is part yeah. of the equation i think there are probably better options i, I think that even in the the Moose Aider deck that I was playing. I think it's actually possible that that Vigilant Giant's better. <laughs> I I I don't know that for sure for sure. Like there are definitely a lot of times when like my plan on, on turn eight is to rage with that deck because of right. the way I set it up. But like and so being a seven cost card is relevant. But I, I think that it's possible that it's not right in that deck. And and again it is because it has access to Vigilant Giant. So Nudux asks, do you ever see Moose as a three of? Yeah, I run it as a three of in, in well, hold on, I don't remember. I think I run it as a three of in Okay, I run it as a three of in mid tribunal. Yep, I think it's a three of there. I run it as a uh, let's see. I run it as a three of in Mooseader. Where it's debatable whether or not it should be in the deck yeah. at all. And it was a three of in my mill mil mage, which is also a trashy deck but yeah uh, i think it's for sure a three of if you play mid tribunal or uh like a mid mage right if it's not like a tempo actiony mage but like a more traditional mid mage i think it's a three of there um yeah. i think it is conditionally a three of in sorcerer and i say conditionally because it's based on the meta the one time so like right now i'm running it as a two of but the third slot for me is uh, a mentor's ring because mentor's ring on a barrow stalker uh, or yeah. some of your ward creatures is really powerful against aggro decks. But if the meta were to shift to being slower and less aggressive, then I would go to a third moose and not feel bad about it at all. You know, you don't need Mentor's Ring there. You need Mentor's Ring against the aggro decks typically. Right. Um, I run it as a two of in mid monk. Uh, I could see it ran as a three of in uh, a mid version of Telvani or Scout. Right. So like mid Telvani was a or well, like mid aggro Telvani was a, a thing for a little bit uh, the last month, month and a half. Uh, I would I would jam it in there and not feel bad at all, personally, yeah. as a three. Yeah, I, I need 30 seconds to go grab something for my diabetes. Is it your foot? Uh, he took his headphones off. He didn't hear me. So, yeah, it, it, to answer your question, though. Right. Uh, I do think that Moose definitely fits in as a three of. Um, 
Rug uh, Tumpington in chat says, I'm not earning Moose in mid-tribunal because I like Mighty Conjuring for 7. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Mighty Conjuring is also fantastic. I think Tribunal... You've got the Endurance creatures that hit 5, but uh, it's more challenging in Tribunal than some other classes, I think, to get the 5 attack consistently. Unless you're in Sedanine, and I'm always a big uh, advocate for Sedanine. Um... C-City Toker asks, what are y'all's thoughts on Yellow's ability to set up one-sided trades with cards that null attack like Harmony and Cloudrest? Uh, I mean, in the past, it was uh, considered very, very strong. But where that excels is in metas where you need to make the trades to begin with. So willpower-based decks are great in mid-range metas. Because when you're fighting for the board... You want to be able to win trades and not lose stuff. So, like, I think it's great. But it's been a while since we've had a mid-range meta, so it just has not been nearly as strong. You're still muted, Justin. Just for the record, I see your lips moving, but... Mid-range metas are fucking awesome, was my comment. Oh, yeah. The question was, what are y'all's thoughts on Yellow's ability to set up one-sided trades with cards that null attack like Harmony and Cloudrest? And I was saying that those excel, in my opinion, most during mid-range metas where you're actually trading and fighting for the board, but we haven't had that in a while. Yeah, I love those effects. I mean, like, it's, I think it's an important piece of yellow's, you know, color identity that uh, has never really seen play outside of Cloudrest Illusionist. And I like it a lot. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, secretly for a long time, I've been hoping for some some uh, reason to play Monk where Skulk finds Calm. There's just never been a reason to. I've seen that a few times. I have. Yeah, but it wasn't good, though, right? Like, I, I want it to be good. I don't want to just do it for the sake of yeah. doing it. I mean, people called it, like, the Calm... The, you know, they, were say, they would say, I'm playing a Calm deck. Right. You know? Like, because, like, it, it was so meme -y. Yeah, like... It, the, the O uh, cost, right? The zero cost, one, two, guard... I've actually seen be more successful than finding calm because at least you can play like token monk. Yeah, I, I have seen occasionally Halalu decks that do that. Yeah, I don't know that it's right, but I've seen it. So Gyro Captain asks, do you uh, do you guys think when the meta settles down, conscription decks will still be so common, or has the set made that card less good? I'll let I you think, start. I think they'll still be common. Yeah, I also think they'll still be common. And here's why. For me, I don't think the card's like that great right now anyway. I was ranting about that last night on my stream. The, the number of times I've actually lost to Conscription is incredibly low. It's just that it's a popular deck, right? And this set isn't going to do anything to change that popularity. So it'll still be pretty common. But... Like, when I'm playing aggro or midrange, I don't lose to Conscription. I lose to the Telvani control package. And you could delete Conscription and you could delete Nixox tomorrow and Telvani would still be the best control deck. It just has a really good control package and that's what you lose to. And Sorry. anytime I'm playing control, I don't usually lose to Conscription. I lose to Journey. I can survive one, even two Conscriptions, no problem. It's the uh, Conscription after Journey that's always a problem. So... Most conscription decks, I can survive two conscriptions. Yeah. So, like, 
for me personally, I don't think that the card itself is necessarily like a problem. Uh, I think that it's just popular. Um, you know, if it was nerfed tomorrow, like I wouldn't be upset because honestly, I just am tired of hearing about it. But like, I don't, I don't think that it's super powerful as much as the other stuff. Like, let me let me say this, right? Like, if if Journey got hurt, nerfed hard tomorrow, Conscription would be not good at all. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think people would still play it in the exact same percentage that they play it. Play, they're playing it today, though. Sure, but they would have a lot less success with it, though. Yeah, you're probably right, but I mean... I mean, I, I, you and I have been saying for a while now that I, I think that Journey is, like, one of the... Uh, toughest things for control versus control matchups. Yeah. Because it, it dictates a lot of wins. It does. Journey also single-handedly prompts up Combo Scout. <laughs> yeah. I do agree that conscription decks are pretty forgiving when it comes to mistakes. <clears throat> I think that's a function, though, of just decks that draw a shitload of cards in general. Yeah. Well, and, the like, I'll be honest, it's... The curve oh, is also... It's also typically Talvani. Like, I have no problems with punishing Rhetoran Conscription, right? The it's, deck is more interesting, though, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, it's more interesting, but it's also, like, way easier to punish. I stand by... Like, the reason Talvani Conscription specifically is uh, popular and forgiving is because the Talvani control package is very, very good. It cycles well. It has plenty of ways to gain life. Um, you can do it with... Black Hand Messenger, you can do it with Amulet. I've seen some people that are still running Giant Bats for some reason. I run into versions that run Brynjolf and Queen Berenzia. Like, it's just got a lot of ways to gain life. It's got a lot of ways to remove things. It's got board sweeps. Um, it's got versions with Alter. Yeah, Alter. Like, you can... Like, Telvani is just very, very resilient as, as uh, the house, so... I agree. Yeah, so Zombie uh, says, imagine pre-nerf journey with conscription today. Uh, we don't have to imagine it. We did it. That was one of the yeah. first things Justin did when Talia's conscription was uh, released. It was, is. Was uh, him and I both said to each other, let's fill a deck with charge creatures yeah. and journey and then figure out a way to make it so that I can conscription and swing for like 50 in one turn. 100%. It's one of my top 10 most successful videos, actually. It's got like 10,000 views or some shit. Yeah. That was one of the first things that him and I said to each other is we were like, oh, hey, because pre-nerf journey, if you're new to the game and you don't know, pre-nerf journey did more than just buff the creatures and shuffle them back in. It also reduced the cost of creatures by five. So... <laughs> Uh, you used to be able to play Journey, and then your Conscription would pull out, like, Underworld Vigilante that was buffed by Conscription. Awesome. Yeah. No problems there. Right. Yeah, it's pretty great. Do you know how insane Abomination Scout would be with pre-nerf? Mm, I mean, it would, be, it would be good, but, like, I don't know it would be that, like, dramatically better, right? Well, because like okay. once you once you've journeyed, yeah. you don't have to worry about Magicka at all. Yeah, no, you're right. Because everything in there is five or less. Like you could play Disciples of Namira for yeah. free too. Like you could literally run through the entire thing flawlessly. 
And so many of those games end before that, though, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Pete Crichton, how is pre-nerf journey ever considered to be a good idea? Man, I don't know. We had we had a lot of uh, talks about that. Yeah, Here, really here's here's a fun fact. Talk about like sometimes you get card predictions wrong. I don't think there was a single person that said pre pre nerf journey was good when it was revealed. No, you're totally right. Nobody even talked about that card at all. Like CVH said it was bad and too slow. I said it was too slow. Uh, yeah. Like, like I, I'll admit to it, right? Like I did not, I did not see that card as being useful at the time. Um, yeah. I agree. But in our defenses, right? So things are always uh, conditional though, right? At the time when it was revealed, uh, we had a lot less cycle too. It was yep. a lot harder to filter through your deck. Like I it's agree. easy It's easy for us to now look at it and go like, well, gee, you know, hey, idiots, how could you get this wrong? Well, back then, like you weren't filtering through your deck by like turn 10 and then replaying everything. Like, on right. turn 10, you had drawn, like, two extra cards or whatever. Right. The, the, game, the game itself was slower. The cycling was slower. Decks were less consistent. Like, most of the card draw you think of as being really playable card draw was introduced recently. <laughs> yeah. So, Noduck says, with how good the new Sword of Inferno is, do you see it making Assassin's Ritual more common or playable in Dagath? Assassin's Ritual? Yeah. I think Assassin's Ritual is always bad. I don't know. I'm going to try to make it work. That's on my list for this next yeah. week. I don't know, man. I think if it's ever playable, it's in Dagath specifically because being able to reward Breton Conjurer or something yeah. like that is uh, attractive and then using Sword for triggers. But yeah. I, I don't know if it's going to be good enough, but I, I think that I think that in Dagath, if it if it's doable, it'll, it'll be that. Fair enough. So, uh, Psycho asks, did Journey become better because control decks became stronger? Mm. That's a tough one to answer. I'm not sure. What do you think? I think it's still uh, much more tied to the cycle. Okay. Like control decks were great back then, but it, like you had to go to like turn 20 or 30 before you even considered playing journey back then. Yeah. Right. Like you just weren't like merchants camel wasn't a staple and you weren't resurrecting it. And we had no like indoral and like your card draw back then was like elusive schemers and things, right? Like everything was much, much slower. So yeah. the idea of I'm going to pay seven and do nothing and I might get value, right, down the road. It was just, um, it, it wasn't considered good back then because everything about the game was so much slower. And I think that the more cycle that we got, the more card draw that we got, the more consistency that we got, the, the better journey became. Yeah, that's fair. Like, the only time I played Journey, like, legitimately, before Forgotten Hero and, and things like that, the only time I was playing Journey before was when I would get it off of College of Winterhold in Support Mage. And that was because it wasn't in my deck. It was, like, the game had went so long that I was 
drawing journey from College of Winterhold in my support mage deck. No, I, I agree. I mean, like, that was how you won that mirror. Yeah. No, like, I mean, like, I I would focus my entire game against that exact inevitability. Because a lot of times, support mage just didn't have enough damage to kill you. No. They, they had no win condition back then, really. Right. I just lost a fucking conscription halalu. I hate playing against conscription decks. I just have to say that. Yeah. It's just not fun, man. It's just not fun at all. I hate, I hate playing against control decks. Period. Nope. Halalu is uh, an interesting one that I'm surprised doesn't see more conscription play because you like you would think it has all the tools, but. Well, another one of my top ten videos of all time actually is a video called Halalu Conscription is the best deck in the game right now, and it came out in June. Yeah. <laughs> But that was like that was you playing aggro halalu that just tacked on conscriptions though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like a like a dedicated control conscription halalu list. I'm I'm surprised it doesn't see more play, but again, I think it just comes back to that the Talvani version probably is got a stronger control package. It gains health better. Yeah, that's fair. Blackhand Messenger and Necromancer and uh like the amulet are just really good stabilization tools yeah <laughs> nikki p asks a loaded question uh what does spell sword need to be back on top again do you want to take that moose or the addition of blue yeah i was gonna say spell sword was never on top like it needs yeah. it needs something to right. make it there first right <laughs> it was a deck we all played in august of 2016 <laughs> yeah like you you played spell sword tokens and it wasn't even the best deck then it was just the most popular there's another great example of popularity versus power level it's funny too like it featured what would now be like even now would be one of the most powerful cards in the game which is pre-nerf divine fervor yeah divine fervor used to cost four yes it's remarkable to think of that actually and it still wasn't good enough back then because everything else was pre-nerf as well right like certain things were really really busted <laughs> really busted uh, Nodux uh, asks Justin are you excited about a new way to put Lich's Ascension in your opponent's hand 100% man look for that video in the next two weeks <laughs> it's gonna fucking happen uh shinara says token spell sword when fervor costs four it was on top no it wasn't on top it was the most popular deck shinara because it was very easy to build on a budget you want to know what legend what the guy playing what, what the guy who was legend rank one was playing that when that was that deck was huge <laughs> that guy was playing ramp scout yeah because it was me <laughs> yep yeah it's uh yeah token and spell sword it had an amazing token spell sword matchup. <laughs> yeah. Token spell sword was never really on top back then. Um, it was popular because it was a very easy deck to build on a budget, but yeah. um, scout control mage and archer were much, yeah. much better. And in fact, it, the popularity of that deck is why ramp scouts back then sometimes ran Taurus Reaper. Uh, even archer back then there yeah. was, there was uh archer builds, believe it or not, 
when the game first launched in the open beta, the most popular archer build on any of the deck sharing websites ran Charis Reaper and uh, Fallen SD Reaver. Yeah, it was TVP 9's list, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, it, really, that meta was dominated even back then by Ice Storm and Burn and Pillage. Like, it, it was, yeah. Like, the things that we were playing were outliers. So, uh, Pete Creighton says, have you experienced the ranking up bug where it can put you down a rank again if you don't reach the second star? So I didn't, I didn't lose when that happened to me. Like I reached, I went one star past the end of rank five and, uh, I was like, what the fuck is this? And chat was like, oh, you know, like it happens, like you, you'll be fine. And I was like, well, what, ha what happens if I fucking lose this next game? And like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, you know, you'll be fine. <laughs> And I ended up winning it, but like later I heard that when you lose, you fucking go back. <laughs> yeah, Which, I, was I, was really <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. Like I know it's a thing, but it hasn't happened to me yet because I just like kept yeah. winning. What rank are you right now? Uh, I think I'm four. Okay. Because I basically only played last night after the new month has started or whatever. Yeah. So I got there last night playing mid monk after failing with some memes. You were trying I I when I, I know I saw you playing Spell Sword. I lost to Santos Vela actually on the ladder yesterday when he was playing Spell Sword. Yeah, I tried Spell Sword. It didn't go super well. Um I'm not saying that it's not good. Like I've heard other people have great success. I just Yeah. I, I had a pretty like rough set of variants. Same thing with the Rage Crusader. Like you had great success and then I tried playing it and I went like three and four. Um, but I was running into, like, Stealer of Secrets Mage, which is a really bad matchup for Rage Crusader, you know? And, like, the, it's the one guy out of, like, 2,000 people on the ladder yeah. playing it, and, of course, I run into it, right? So The matchup um, actually sounds unwinnable. <laughs> yeah, well, it... Beat down, and they have a horrible draw. It was completely winnable if I would have drawn... Um, so one difference between mine and yours is I run the Night Mother. And so if I would have drawn the Night Mother, I could have set up a, a yeah. like a rage win, but my Night yeah. Mother was in my bottom 20 cards of my deck, so. Yeah, because they wouldn't be able to remove it necessarily. Yeah, I don't think they had any, unless they're running Vicious Drag or like Dismantle, they don't have any support removal, so. That makes sense. That was, that was my win condition, but it was in the bottom 20 cards of my deck, so. I like the sound of that. That sounds like it was a good game. I think. Probably... <laughs> yeah, it felt really good. I think when this podcast is over tonight, I'm going to record with Steeler Secrets. <laughs> like, that's one of those videos, you know, uh, Silverfuse is making fun of me for going 3 and 13 and then <laughs> releasing the 3. Uh, Steeler Secrets videos, Dex, that's one I don't feel any shame in uh, going th 13 and 3 and then releasing the 3. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> because people are there for the experience. So, Jair Captain asks, when is Link going to be on the podcast? Um, when he plays the game again, Kappa? No, uh, we've asked him in the past, and then we had some scheduling yeah. conflicts. Yeah, so. he's almost been on a couple times. Yeah, he's almost been on a couple times, but then we keep mucking it up. Yeah. So, to like, be fair, that's, that's our fault. <laughs> it was only yesterday afternoon when, like, or maybe it was today. It was It was today. Yeah, I was like, hey, bro, podcast guest? <laughs> and you're like, I think you said something about having a fucking moose as a guest. <laughs> yeah, I did say that. I'm a little upset. Apparently, CVH actually streamed today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 
how is why is he streaming and not being a guest on the podcast? We haven't had him on. <laughs> we haven't asked him recently. Uh, no, we've been asking him basically since the changeover for devs. Well, what we asked him was. <laughs> I, don't know what I can say. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I'm just we, saying. My point is, is that we have asked him though. That's what I was saying. We've tried to get all sorts of cool people on the show, guys. All right. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to get Morgan on. I want to get uh, um, Peter really on. Morgan is now the top, like top guest that I want to have. I saw a YouTube video actually recently, unrelated to like Legends, had nothing to do with my interest in this game at all. That talked about Morgan. <laughs> like he is actually kind of famous in like hilarious ways. That I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, me either. Not at all, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Norgan, uh, no ducks wants us to get Morgan Freeman. Somehow, I think that one's out of our reach. I think if he gave me a couple of weeks, I could figure out that voice. <laughs> the penguins cross the road like any other penguin. <laughs> yeah, even ten minutes ago, CVH is responding to people on Twitter. He could have been on our podcast. He, he's dead to me. He retweeted the, your announcement that we were going live. Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding, CBH. I love you, but still, probably lurking. I feel like actually, I I feel like he's always lurking in the podcast. To be honest with you, uh, this is a, this is a good question. Uh, Blackdrop says I've seen people suggest removing dual color cards from tricolor decks. What do you think about that mechanical change? Also, yeah. what do you think of suggestion of forbidding tricolor decks from running neutral cards? Uh, I mean, those are both interesting. They're not as interesting as uh, my personal favorite suggestion, which is um, just letting them rotate out. Yeah. Are you are you ready to like fall asleep while I go on the rant? I'm ready. <laughs> I'm just I'm just forewarning you. So here's the problem with uh, suggesting removing dual color cards, right? If you remove dual color cards, you're basically killing tricolor decks. Like I mean, that's let's be honest, right? Like, what does tribunal run? Arch cannon. Right? Tribunal's entire strength is off of the dual color cards. I don't... Do you think it would run it if it didn't have to? I don't... I wouldn't... Oh, well, you know what? I might just because it doesn't have a lot of life gain and it's a pretty consistent source of, like, get drain on a big thing and swing. Yeah. But th there's an argument to be made that it wouldn't even run it if it didn't have to. Yeah. It's um, not a bad card, but, like, it's... Halalu, right? Like, what is it running? Puppeteer? Now that manor has been nerfed? Right. You know? Like, almost all of these are... Again, I don't think it would run Puppeteer if it didn't have to. Yeah, maybe, maybe not, right? Like, it's one of those... It's it's one of those things where, like, the strength... The reason that the 75-card the deck is worth it is because you make up for having to run 25 more cards by just jamming in the most powerful 25 cards in those color combinations. Right. And by design, the class cards in the, the sets all prior to Morrowind were the most powerful cards because they were limited to the classes. So if you yeah. take that away, then you're essentially getting less powerful cards and a less consistent deck. They would they would just uh they would just be they would just be done. So yeah. if if you're going to say you can't run dual colored cards in your tricolor decks and yeah. you want to make them even remotely enticing to play, you have to print more tricolor cards to offset that and if, if you're doing that like well then the question is like when do you print them 
right? Are you going to do another like 10 card mini set? Because then they, you know, all get like what, two cards? That's probably not enough for me to care and run 75 cards. If you do it during a story expansion, then it's like, all right, uh, what's like, I, I want to play this for the story and I want new mechanics. Like, why am I doing this just to get like my tricolor cards? And if you wait till the next big pack expansion, well, they're likely going to introduce the other houses at that point. And so if you're thinking to yourself, like they might get somewhere between three and five cards for all of the new houses. And then I also need new tricolor cards from the old ones. And then I also need new tricolor cards from the new ones again, so that they equal the same number. So now we're talking maybe 10 cards of tricolor. Like what's the rest of the set going to be? Then you yeah. win an entire pack expansion with almost no dual color support again. And like that feels bad as well. Plus, like, let's be honest, doing something like that would be a really huge admission that it was a developer mistake. And I just don't think that anyone's going to swallow their pride and do that. Um, but like, as Justin said, the way that it was designed, they can rotate out. So we're still a ways away from it. But at some point, when we have enough expansion sets, they will likely rotate some sets out. And when they yeah. do that, if they rotate out Houses of Morrowind, then you don't you don't get to play tricolor decks because you can only play a tricolor deck if you are running a three color card. So the minute that those are not part of the playable pool, then you have no right. tricolor decks. And it'll make honestly, it'll make uh, Legacy or Extended or Wild or whatever the fuck you want to call it. It'll make it a much more interesting format too. Right. Like, it has the benefit of like doing really really interesting things to that format and encouraging people to play it. Which is something that Hearthstone struggled with when they did their yeah. like legacy format right. versus their standard. Whereas Legends will be like, hey, we have this unique thing we can do in only this right. format. Right. I actually think it's a huge reason why rotation should happen. You know, is that like you you have the benefit of you you'll be creating this place where hey, there's actually twenty classes in this format. Or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Jire Captain says I think we should just delete tricolor decks. I mean, <laughs> can we? I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, I think I play a lot more, a lot more two color classes still than three color. I mean, I still play a lot of mid range sorcerer. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah. I mean, it's one of those like. I I'm sure that it frustrates people that like that's all you see, but I think that it's a bit of uh, the grass is greener moment as well. Like if I'm being honest back when we had two color classes and we didn't have houses, uh, you kind of saw the same like three classes or whatever anyway, back then it's not like there was this grand old age of, you know, classes had class identity and they were like super well represented. It was about right. the same level of representation that it is now. Right. Right. No, I agree. You know, it's not, it's not like Spellsword was any more playable or any more popular back when we didn't have three color decks. And it's not like, you know. Well, I mean, so like Spellsword gets a lot of shit. There, there has been times when like Spellsword was played. Well, you right. Like, I'm just using that as the meme joke, but you understand what I'm saying, yeah, right? Like, I do. I do. I mean, like I before Sower of Revenge, for example, unless you were playing Orc Warrior, like, you just didn't see Warrior as a class. Like, Warrior used to be right. the old Spellsword. There was a time when Warrior was the laughing stock oh, of it Legends. Was in a worse, it was in a worse place than Spellsword. Yeah. Because at least 
at least a, a certain spell sword builds have matchups that they will win 100% of the time. No, the problem is, is that spell sword doesn't draw cards and so it loses control matchups. Yeah. And it loses aggro matchups. So I, I do think I, I do think that it's important to put it into perspective that, you know, even if the tricolor classes went away, it doesn't mean we're going to see like this wide range of diversity or like throwback to uh, a massive amount of like diverse representation. It's just going to be a different level of like, you'll just see a bunch of warrior. Uh, you know, if, if we didn't have tricolor uh, stuff right now, you'd see a lot of warrior, a lot of crusader, a lot of battle mage. And then yeah. some people messing around with other stuff, right? Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Malibu Barba says, I like running tricolor decks, except all three colors are purple. That's a man after Justin's Mono Endurance Heart. That's a class. Like, I, I, I have to go back to something I said one time, which is that, oh man, eventually there'll be enough purple cards that are actually good that this deck will be awesome. It turns out <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, Warrior 7, it's funny, we were just talking about it earlier, just posted on Twitter a list and saying Ramp Warrior is quite fun and good at the moment. Sh yeah, I've, shocker. I've, I've, I've lost Ramp Warrior recently. Yeah, well, it's like, because sort of the Inferno makes all those slay things hilarious. Yeah. Because, guess what, guys? Uh, Venom Tongue likes the sword as well. Yeah, it kills your Venom Tongue, but you go up to Magicka from it. So if you guys are wondering like how to turbo ramp and warrior so that you can play insane things from your hand and then also play rage, it's venom tongue with uh, sword. I mean, you you lose your venom tongue. But yeah. yeah, I mean you do, but like a lot of times in the past you would play venom tongue and get zero ramp from it. Now I can play venom tongue and one other card and guaranteed get two ramp and kill something. Sign me yeah. up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you remember when Thorn Hissmage used to be a two five instead of a two four? I know, I know, I said that to you the other day, but that that more than anything is something that still kind of gives me nightmares when I think about the current meta. Do you remember when Thorn Hissmage was a five five? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that card's been changed a lot. Which is what's your favorite iteration of that card? The current one. My favorite is probably the current one because it's the least degenerate and I, I don't I don't remember being happy seeing that card like ever in the past. Every time it was played against me I was angry, so Yeah. Yeah, I uh I I am excited. Like I, I didn't think that there would be as many decks that I would want to try as there are from such a small set. And that makes me even more excited for Isle of Madness when that eventually hits, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm more excited about Isle of Madness than I am about what we've got now. But I have, like, had a lot of good experiences brewing so far. And, like like I said, like, I'm really jazzed to play Steeler of Secrets Mage tonight. I only got to pull it off once. But Isle of Madness, I mean, like, we're getting... we've what, we, what have we been told about the release date for that? Uh, they kept saying that it was this year, but no date publicly. 
quarter four, I think is what they kept saying. So, uh, Aeolus asks, uh, she actually put it at you directly. Uh, have you seen the latest post on Reddit? I'm not going to lie and say I'm not completely lost. Uh, probably the answer is no, because we're here in the podcast, but no, I haven't seen it. I don't know if Justin has. What is the post? I'm looking for it. <laughs> Zombie Hunter says, it turns out Falkreath Defiler is really good when you set him on fire with a sword. Yeah, I think so. That's fair. What, what post am I looking for? I don't know. Like, once a day, I, I search the Reddit for mentions of my name. <laughs> but other than that, I don't know. What am I looking for? Somebody said the... Uh, Aeola said that they think the post is uh, Justin-inspired. Uh, Person of Secret says, Nature's incarnate uh, makes me worried about aisles because it's an inch away from being broken. Somebody says your name is in it, in the whatever this mythical Reddit post is. I haven't searched for my name yet today. Why don't you just, like, search by new? What? Is it, uh, is it the new here is the game for me? Whenever I see those things, it's like, why not just try it? I don't know. Okay, here we go. I come, listen to my story, this may be my last chance. I come from an alternate universe where I used to play a card game called the Younger Scrolls Legends. It was published <laughs> by Brad Titsta and developed by a gaming company called Sparky Wolf. The game was okay, not good nor great. I used to play this game religiously and watch streamers like Goldfuse and Ruby Link on Twitch. <laughs> on Switch. While not watching Switch, I would be watching Gustin Garson videos on MeTube. One day, the unbelievable happened. We had a developer change. Sparky Wolf was gone now, and in its place was a new company called Dire Pants. There were cries of anguish as we saw a game client change. It used to be a bright purple with some pink in it. Now it was brown. It was dull. Fanboys were quick to defend Dire Pants, and they went on a witch hunt for all naysayers. One thing I learned from the Younger Scrolls legend is that love in its, at, at its extreme becomes an obsession, and obsessions are not healthy. I went back to watch the Apprentice series on MeTube and cringed when Justin when Gustin Garson made a remark on how great the community was. Unfortunately, I fell asleep while watching the video and had dreams of how fun the game used to be. When I awoke, I was confused. The Apprentice series on MeTube but changed to the Master Series on YouTube. Gustin Garson wasn't there anymore. <laughs> Instead, I see the same person called Justin Larson casting the show. I panicked and Googled the Younger Scrolls Legends. It came back with no results. <laughs> However, all was not lost as I saw results for the Elder Scrolls Legends. And here I am. Let me reintroduce myself. I am Pretty Dish. Wow. Yeah. I don't... I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> Amazing absolutely fucking amazing the only way i could be disappointed by this post is if i were to somehow learn that pretty dish is actually uh evil tuna fish dude that was that was amazing that's fantastic yeah oh fucking genius (sighs) i uploaded it I didn't, it didn't come up when I searched for it because he spelled my last name wrong. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple of S's or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zombie Hunter 9 by 19 at Tide Pod Bros. I assume that's us. <laughs> What's your favorite pre-nerf card? 
Uh, I think of cards that I played a lot before they were nerfed that I wish hadn't been changed. Hmm. Manticore with guard fit into a lot of the decks I played. Yeah, especially when it killed stuff cross lane. Yeah. Although, actually, when it could kill things cross lane, I wasn't playing it. Um, yeah. yeah. I, was thinking, I was thinking today, actually, about how happy I am that uh, Belligerent Giant got nerfed. Yeah, right? Because that one used to be also pretty belligerent, pun intended, uh, when it could go cross lane. I know what I'm about to say isn't going to be uh, popular with Justin, but hear me out. Uh, Slaughterfish spawning used to be one that I enjoyed pre-nerf. Mostly because when I saw people playing it, I knew I was about to win. I didn't think it was good pre-nerf, but that also got nerfed and then disappeared. Yeah. I. Th Do you think Slaughterfish spawning would be too strong right now? I don't, I don't personally think so. I don't think it was strong then. Like, you're paying three to likely make a 3-1 like it's pretty answer or pretty easy to answer at least one of them yeah. you know especially now when we've got so many ways to have presence on the board that early like yeah. uh no ducks wants to know what old slaughterfish was it used to cost three instead of four so slaughterfish spawning used to be a neutral that cost three part of me misses old gladiator arena I know it was basically only played in aggressive decks, but there was, there is some part of me that wishes there was a combo deck or a non-aggressive deck that ever got to utilize that as like its only win condition where it bleeds you to death. I I would love to see a card that says like do one damage to your opponent whenever they draw a card, like an Underworld Dreams, yeah. if you will. I think that would be my favorite way to win the game. Yeah, I'd play that. I know you would. I would too. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I miss old Nakreen, but I am glad that I never lived in a world where Nakreen was the old Nakreen with Alduin. Like, I'll just say that out loud. I miss yeah. I miss 4-1 Schemer as opposed to 3-1 Schemer. I miss... Yeah, here here's mine. Here's my official answer. I miss two-cost Northwind Outposts. No. <laughs> no. What? No. You're not a fan of that, Justin? I'm not, man. I am not. not um, if I if I was gonna be not picking uh, outpost, I would say maybe Thief of Dreams. Honestly. Yeah, Thief of Dreams is an interesting one. I actually thought about putting in a deck yesterday. Um, I like Thief of Dreams. Uh, Malibu Barbus asks, uh, when is the Legend to Loser series coming back? That's been my career since two years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, that one. That one's still going. <laughs> yeah, that's just, that just happened. The Loser to Legend series needs to come back, but the Legend to Loser series is uh, the entire channel. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was waiting for a while um, for... 
for the new client to get all bugged free. And then like around the same time that happened, the expansion came out and I just sort of lost focus. That's basically the entire explanation for what happened there. Uh, but it, it will, it'll come back. <laughs> Although I hear that Silverfuse is working on a new player guide now as well. And it might just be like, you know, there was a time when like with legends, like I, I felt like I had to do all the things all the time. And you know, that was my own like neuroses and personality disorder and shit. <laughs> and I, I, I like what I do with legends now, you know, like I, I do my thing and uh, maybe a new player guide isn't what I should be playing with, like doing with this game. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. So I, I, I can't, I can't scroll past this person of secrets in chat says, I don't really buy the whole dragon priest limited design space. That was just an excuse rather than a truth. I don't know how, like, how do you think that was an excuse rather than a truth? Like making any card, any like we, we've all we've all been saying that magical manipulation is one of the most powerful things you can do in the game there's rampant complaints about things like nixox and what you can do with Ulfric's uprising like i cannot fathom a world where old nakreen didn't limit design space more than nixox more than anything else like it let you play whatever you wanted for free like it was from your hand like i can't imagine old nakreen with uprising like imagine old nakreen and nixox today where every yeah. time you uprising you also drew a card and got to play something for fucking free like alduin is what i always say like well clearly they nerfed that because alduin was coming but yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't want that changed back i don't like anything free like i i mean even though i think lich's ascension is a lot of fun uh we don't need yeah. We don't need to cheat to cost on things. I know that exceptions make the rule interesting, but in this case, like, it's a pretty reasonable rule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's a big difference, in my opinion, between, like, so, like, you can do degenerate things with Nixox, but at least there's a, a cap, right? No. There, there, is, there is a cap. It, it, it's a mathematical cap. Like, there's a cap. No, the cap is a construct of time, because with the right combination of things on board, you can go infinite. But it still has a cap, like it, it doesn't it doesn't have the blatant like disregard for all things in the game that old Nakreen used to have. Like old Nakreen would be an abomination. Like a true abomination. Like even without uprising, right? Like just doppelganger. Like give me old Nakreen with doppelganger. Yeah. No, I mean look, I I Nakreen individually does more powerful things than anything individually did does in the Nixox combo deck. But like... Right. So my point is, is if you say like saying that it limited design space is an excuse, like I don't buy that. Like it definitely limited design space probably more than any card other than maybe I would say Unite the Houses because I have a lot of concerns about that because of its yeah. ability to cheat things. Just because other cards do do it, but they do it worse, like, doesn't mean that this didn't. Philosophically, too, you're just a fan of broken homes. So, like, uniting the houses is sort of antithetical to... Well, yeah, that too, but... Your approach to the world. Yeah, I don't... Nakreen, uh... 
Yeah, I don't know. Not old Nacreen was uh, was rough. If you're not familiar, right? Well, let's not pretend like everyone was around back then. Old Nacreen uh, used to cost ten, and the summon effect was wildly different. Even though it sounds very similar, it was you draw a card, and then the next card you play is free. This turn. Yeah, this turn. But so. Yeah. In the in the old days, like it used to be, like if you had the ring or if you ramped or whatever, it was like you'd play Nakreen and that would let you cheat out Odaving that much sooner. Right? That was really that was really the power move. Then. Like that was the power move back then because that was all you had. But like yeah. in a in a modern day legend setting, like if you try to imagine the things you could do with that now, yeah, it just like you could basically do the Nixox combo without even running Nixoxes if you wanted to in a modern day setting and with. <laughs> With uh, with uprising, um, Therana and uh, and and Nacreen. like that's uh, well in Laneth, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do it without. You could do that, um, but like even just like if I play uprising and then like because he's also drawing a card on top of it, right? Like yeah. The you things you could do, like, imagine imagine the things you could do, uh, even without Uprising, right? Like, if I Nacreen and then um, I have, like, any reasonable amount of Magicka left over, then Path Mage starts to become really problematic. Like, Nacreen would have been disgusting. It's already kind of problematic. Oh, I, I, Path Mage is another one that I have a lot of concerns about. Yeah. I think that Path Mage is uh, the biggest problem in a lot of... Uh, the combo decks because it, it everyone always laughs at me when I say it, but I think Path Mage is a better and a more consistent tool than Lineth is in terms of enabling combo decks. Yeah, there's a huge difference between playing something directly from your deck and drawing something. Yeah, it get, it leaves you with a lot more magical left over, and the fact that you can run three of them makes it a lot more consistent. Yeah. And the fact that it's playable earlier in the game means if you need to, you can use one defensively and not like matter. Um, Path, yeah. path it's one of my favorite cards because it's basically alter on a body but it's it's a problem in my opinion um gyro captain asks me if i ever did a time to fight dagath i did but i never posted much with it because it honestly just wasn't that good it's funny i have played charge dagoth and recorded with it <laughs> yeah i played it but it just wasn't very good and i didn't i didn't want people to even try to suffer through what i was suffering through it caused one of my favorite comments I've ever gotten, which is somebody told, after I've been playing it for like an hour, they're like, Justin, you got tricked into playing an aggro deck. And I was like, holy fuck, you're right. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you were playing uh, with Mimic. You were like, yeah. I'm going to play Illusory Mimic Dagath. And then somebody yeah. was like, yeah, you played aggro Dagath. Totally got tricked into playing an aggro deck. Like, wow, I've played a lot of games. It's been an hour, but I've played like nine matches. What the fuck is happening? I'm like, well, <laughs> guess what, buddy? <laughs> That deck's fun though. I mean, I mean, it's fun. It just when I was when I was playing it, it just wasn't very good. It's, I mean, yeah, I don't I, it, it might be worth revisiting now that I have uh, like shadow marking to jam in it uh, again, though, right? No, like, you, you don't play actions in that deck, man. Sure, you do if they draw you cards. No, I'm trying to maximize my ability to fucking hit Dagother on turn six. Yeah, I know you are. I'm just saying, like, true time to fight Dagath would be yeah, yeah, yeah. probably running Shadow Marking. I went deep, man. I, I ran almost every charge creature you could run, actually. 
Dude, yeah. I'm playing fucking Path of Exile, dude, and this game is just not good. I need to delete it. This is why I'm not installing Diablo on my phone, by the way. Yeah? I'm uh, yeah. I like I'll play it. I'm still more excited for Blades, but I, I do think that the reaction was the, the the ongoing reaction to that game being announced is kind of infuriating to me personally. Fucking stupid. I did I did spend this evening watching the championship Heroes of the Storm matches. That was, yeah. Those were some, some really good fucking games. It, it it ended pretty quickly. It ended in a three and blow up, but like they were good fucking games. <laughs> and actually, like when we did our casting, the only casting I had ever heard was people casting Heroes of the Storm. Like, those are the people I like to listen to. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, Dota casters that I actually really enjoy. I think that they have some great casters. I, I don't I don't really play the game, but I think that they've got some fantastic talent. Um, in, Indiana Johns in chat says, I played against a guy who drew six cards with wild incarnates. Shame on me for playing control against control. Were you running moose? Were you, like, did you have your own moose? I think you hit the first moose in that, unless you path you cast into time. I was gonna say path path exile, unless you cast into time, the first moose, you're gonna lose. Mac Macmillanov or uh, Macmillan, yeah, Milanov. I always mispronounce it once or twice. Uh, says Jesus Gwent becomes so bad, every faction is the same, just boost or deal damage. Yeah, did you play the original Gwent? It's always just yeah. been math. It's just numbers. Are my numbers bigger than yours? Yeah. Yeah, Gwent is boring. I've not like I'm sure I have you know stuff. I'm not gonna play it. Dude, so if I'm running 13 actions in mid-tribunal, do I still run Iron? Yeah. Four of them are Executes or Firebolts. Pro probably still run Iron. Like Three are Sorcerer's Negations. I guess getting that back could be really good. Uh, it, yeah, as long, I was going to say, as long as I can get back Negation or Lightning Bolt, I'll pretty much always run Iron. That's my own personal stance anyway. <clears throat> Like, those cards are just good enough. Yeah. And also, like, what else are you running at a 5-drop anyway, you know? Um, Phalanx Exemplar. I, I mean, like, I can see an argument for running the thing that equips creatures and they break runes, but I personally hate that card. Oh, that, that card's been one of my favorite things in mid-monk i have really really bad like luck or at least i was having bad luck on stream last night except for marauder like i would have bad mulligans bad draws but then every time marauder came down it was just hilarity every time yeah I also, I'll be honest, I run it in uh, Monk just because of Swift Strike, though, too, right? Like, I think there's a lot of value in combining it with multiple attack and a turn effects. It's fair. Iron also draws Harmony, Sea City Toker says. I have one copy of Harmony in here right now. 
Because I want to play it. <laughs> it's the only reason it run one, though. Uh, Max says, uh, original at least had casual fun appeal. Now it's only engine or removal. Nothing worth experimenting with. I mean, as somebody who played a lot of the original, I didn't really see a lot of casual fun appeal personally. It was always like, uh, keep in mind, I stopped playing it when it was still closed beta. Um, but when I was playing a lot, it was usually which decks let you draw your entire deck every game because that's how you maximize consistency. And then those were those were it. Like there was a time when it was Skellige, then there was a time it was Skoyatel. It didn't matter what it was. Like if it could draw your entire deck every game, then that was the one that you played. And then I came back for I guess I should say that I came back to the game for a very short period when Skoyatel Mill was a thing, but that was the same thing. Like you could play your entire deck every game, and that is also just I don't know. It was it was always just like engine math whenever I was playing. I actually kind of like the new Gwent, but I'm playing Fun Police Usurper on lower parts of the the ladder where it's still viable and it just frustrates people. Sounds like a good time. I mean, I think you would like it. Really? <laughs> the the deck I'm playing, yeah, it's it's like right up your alley. It's just a lot of removal. And uh, my leader just cancels the other uh, other leader. And a lot of people are like building decks around their leader or whatever. So it's just like, nope. Right? It's just, no. Every game of Gwent I've played, no matter what deck I've played, felt exactly the same. Well, yeah, they all basically are the same. Yeah. It's good times. <laughs> Pete Creighton says, yep, that's the only deck I played in Homecoming, the draw your whole deck. Yeah, because it, like, listen, it, card games by their nature are typically about like maximizing your consistency. We as as card game players, we like to play games uh that introduce variants and then see how we can overcome the variants, right? Like we play the games with variants because that means our experience is hopefully different every time and then you do things to be more consistent. But the minute that I am playing Gwent and I'm playing decks that draw my entire deck, it gets boring to me because I no longer have variants. It plays the same almost every time, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm never one of those people who's going to tell you that I think that like all RNG is bad by any means. I, I, I like card games because of the emergent gameplay. I like being rewarded for properly adapting to board states and having things be a little bit different. And a lot of that is just not in Gwent every time I start playing it at a high level. Which is why I stopped playing forever ago. I think being high is the only time playing Gwent is fun. And this is a guy who's never been high while playing Gwent. Because I, and I've never had fun playing Gwent. Yeah. Telvani conscription, good times, man. A little longer than a few minutes later. Uh, I guess we'll we'll see people on the ladder. Yeah, see you guys on the ladder. Sorry about the. <laughs>